You're listening to episode 12 of the Journey to Launch podcast, building wealth through real estate investing. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 everyone. Thank you so much again for joining me on the Journey to Launch podcast. This week's episode, I think, is another great one, if I must say so myself, and I really hope you enjoy it. I have Kendra Barnes from The Key Resource, and Kendra is just an amazing person, and I'm so inspired by her story. She is a real estate investor, and she has built her wealth and is building her wealth through real estate investing. And she's now helping others do the same and learn about real estate. And so I can't wait to get into all this great information that Kendra shares about her journey and about what she did to get into real estate and how you can get into real estate investing too, if you're interested in it. Last week, I spoke with Bryce and Christy on episode 11, and they talked about not buying real estate, how not investing in a home and in the high cost of area living they were in really propelled them to be able to retire by the age of 31. And so Chrissy and Bryce, they don't think home ownership was something that was for them, and they chose to go an opposite way. And I think it's pretty cool to have Kendra on this episode because she is using real estate as a means to build wealth. And I thought it would be good to have the two opposing or just opposite views on back to back. And so that way you can listen to either episode, which I would actually recommend whether you are or not interested in investing in real estate to listen to both. So that way you can just get a full idea, the full both sides of the spectrum on what each opinion um, is on it. Because I think both of the guests, so Kendra and last week's guests would agree on that. You really just have to do your research and make sure you're investing for the right reasons. And yeah, I'm just so excited because what I want this podcast to do, what I want these episodes to do is plant seeds in your mind. And so I don't necessarily want to tell you what to do. I want to give you options. I want to plant those seeds in your mind so that you can choose to water them, to explore them further and choose what works best for you after doing research. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to get into this episode with Kendra. We talk about how Kendra was able to own and operate seven rental units by the time she was 30 years old, how she got into real estate investing, not knowing much, how they bought their first, how her and her husband bought their first property and just some of the little hacks that they use to be able to afford it, which she'll share and we'll go into if you're looking at getting into real estate. And then we'll just talk about all the things you should be aware of when purchasing your home, when looking at a prospective investment property, and just in general, just some of the things she wished she would have known when she started. And so I really think you're going to like this episode and I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, just wanted to let you know, if you want to find the episode show notes for anything we discuss, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 12. 
And as I always say, if you are enjoying the content, please share this podcast, this episode with your friends and family. Spread the word. That's the best way that this gets out to everyone. And of course, wherever you're listening to, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're listening in iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. As you know, that really, really helps um, my ratings and me get more out there again. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode with Kendra. Hi, Kendra Barnes. Thank you so much for joining the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. And I want you to introduce yourself to my audience. Um, some people might already know who you are, but just in case they don't, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, so my name is Kendra. I am an economist by day, a real estate investor by night. And I basically empower and educate people on um, building wealth through real estate investment. Right. And I mean, I think you're, and you also, so your brand is called The Key Resource, right? Yes. Yes. The Key Resource. Mm-hmm. And you share your journey with your real estate investments, which we'll get into what you actually do and how you help people. But I thought it was interesting to have you on because last week's episode that aired, actually, I had on Christian Bryce, who decided to not buy real estate. They were from Canada. And instead of buying real estate, they decided that it would be a better investment for them to invest in the stock market and save their money and retire early. And so I think it's a really good balance to have you on this week's episode because you're coming from a different perspective because you are using real estate to build wealth, right? Right. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like what have you, so how did you get started in real estate? Kind of randomly. A few years ago, my husband and I were playing a game called Cashflow. Are you familiar? I've heard of it. Is that the um, Dave Ramsey one? Yes. And, um, or no, actually it's the, um, the author of rich dad, poor dad. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, he has a game called cash flow and basically the object of the game is to get out of the rat race, which typically means you're nine to five. Um, but to do that, you had to like invest in real estate or invest in stocks, mutual funds, things like that. Right. And, um, your passive income had to be greater than your expenses to get out of the rat race. So like seriously, before playing that game, we had never, ever, ever considered getting rental property. And when we left that game, we were like, oh, my gosh, we're going about life all wrong. Not because we feel like everyone has to invest in real estate, but just for our personal goals. We weren't doing anything to like aggressively build wealth, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got started. And so when when was this? Like how how old were you when you played this game and had this epiphany? Um, I think I was like 26 at the time. So it was just like four years ago. Okay. So four years ago, you're playing this game, you and your husband, and you realize that, wait, like we need to be doing more with our lives. <laughs> we need to be <laughs> investing, right? Yes, we left immediately and kind of did things like all wrong, which is why I started the key resource because there was no one to tell us like what to do and and how to start. But we immediately started looking for rental properties like the next day. So where were you located at, at that time? In DC. Okay. So how was the market like at that point where is, was it affordable or like, how were you looking and thinking you're going to afford these properties? Um, DC has always been really expensive, but it was not as expensive then as it is now. And we basically started off by looking in like up and coming neighborhoods that we thought would have potential, but we had no idea if it really would. 
Um, but that's all we could afford was like kind of the up and coming, like rough around the edges type areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, did you own any like did you own your where you lived at the moment or this was going to be your first purchase? No, we actually own the house that we lived in as well. OK, so so starting out, you did even though you felt like you weren't like doing things the right way, you did own your own home at, at like at, at least for you. Yeah. And we bought that house and we really were like, this is it. Like we were doing it. We have these government jobs. We have this house. And we never really thought beyond that until we played that game and we got that first rental property. And then we were like hooked. Like we're addicted now. It's like our favorite thing. Yeah, that game. Okay. So then, yeah. all right. So now you're looking for property in DC and mm-hmm. what was the process that it took for you to like, did you have to put down 20% like they suggest you do what investment properties or like, what did you, how did you finance this? Yeah. So we found the property. It was like around 220,000. We're like, oh, okay, that's cool. And when they told us we had to put 20% down, we were like, where are we going to get that money? Um, and at the time my husband tried to convince me, like, let's move out of our house, rent it out and live in one of the the units, because when you live in it as a primary residence, you only have to put down like 3.5% in, in some instances based on the loan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could not see the vision, Jamila. Like I was like, I'm not leaving my big house with my garage and like my fence and backyard to live in this. Du- it was a duplex. Like I don't want to live in a small apartment, you know, but really like what I tell people now is if you're not already wealthy, you have to sacrifice to build wealth. Like it's, it's not easy. Um, so I, I kind of wish we would have house hacked then, like moved in it and saved money. Mm-hmm. But what we, what we did to afford it was we borrowed from our retirement. And so, and now, now that's interesting because as you know, cause we, you know, we follow each other on our social media is that like, I'm a big proponent of investing in retirement accounts and then leaving it there and not touching it. <laughs> but know. in your case, because I mean, I'm talking to you how many years later. And so obviously it, it worked out for you, but what was that process like? So you borrowed from your 401k, the 20% to put down for the home. Yes. We each borrowed from ours to make up the 20%. And I don't suggest it for, for everyone. You really have to run the numbers and make sure it's right for you, especially depending on what your retirement goals are. Right. But for us, we made so much money from that investment, but not that every investment will make as much money, like will make as much returns as, as that duplex did, but it's made so much more money than it would have sitting in that retirement account. So that's why we did it. Right now. And then just to kind of like fast forward, do you do you feel that you have replenished your retirement account at this point or caught up? Are you caught up on retirement where you feel comfortable now? Um, Like my actual TSP account, we actually haven't. I think we have like a little bit left to, to pay back on it. We could pay it back like right now, but it just comes out monthly and we haven't really put it back in. But for us, like our retirement plan is not really hinged on that on that thrift savings plan account. Right. So, yeah. I would imagine it's probably based on cash flow from your real estate yeah. portfolio uh-huh. that you're going to build. And I've heard that before. It's interesting because I've heard from a few people that they're not necessarily banking on, you know, like returns or dividends from their stocks or their retirement funds, but the cash flow from real estate to fund their retirement. So I think that's interesting. Right. So, all right. So you bought your first property and did you, so you never moved in at that point. You were still living in your primary home and then you bought the duplex. 
Yeah, and we bought it. It had a tenant in one unit. The other unit was empty. And we were like, oh, great. We already have cash flow. Like, this is so awesome. We can fix up the other unit. But what happened is the tenant decided to move out like a week later. And we were uh-huh. like, oh, crap. We didn't have a plan. We didn't know how to find renters. Like, And this is why another reason why I started the key resource, because people, I mean, getting started needs to have like a plan and really need to know what you're getting into because we were scrambling to try to hurry up and figure out how we were going to make money now that our renter moved out. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine you like eventually found renters for the units. Well, what we did was we ended up putting the unit on Airbnb. <clears throat> we put one on Airbnb and then we used the money from that to fund the renovations for the other unit, which was like one of the best decisions we ever made. It was kind of a decision made out of desperation, but we still do Airbnb to this day and the return is amazing. Right. So from there, so you have now this duplex, you then, did you buy another property after or what, what's your next steps at that point on thinking, okay, I'm going to build wealth. I'm going to build a portfolio. So even at this point, even though we had two properties, there was still so much that we did not know. So we were like, okay, let's rent out the house that we live in now and let's buy another house that has like an English basement, which is like, you know, a basement that has a separate entrance that you can, I don't know if everyone calls them English basements, but um, we're like, and we'll do that on Airbnb. We'll like live mortgage free. So we were looking for a single family house with the English basement, right? Mm-hmm. And randomly we found out that Um, about FHA loans. No one ever told us about FHA loans and how you can like buy a four unit and how you can qualify for more and, and like how the whole process works. So we completely switched our search and we bought our fourplex and then house hacked moved into one of the units, um, in the fourplex. Okay. Now you said FHA loans. So because part of this, what I want this interview to be is definitely sharing your story, which is definitely inspiring, but then also helping other people who are potentially invest interested in investing in real estate, like start their journey. And so you're saying FHA loans are a a good thing to know about. Can you explain it a little bit more? Yeah, there, there are some good and bad to FHA, but basically with FHA, um, you typically have a lower interest rate and you have to put down less money for a down payment than with a conventional loan. Um, one of the downfalls is you have this um, monthly private mortgage insurance that you have to pay. So like uh, up front, the money would be the money needed would be less, but you do have to pay a little more monthly um, on your mortgage payments for the FHA loans. But the really cool thing about buying a multi-unit Um, with the FHA loan is you can qualify for more because they use the potential rental income for the units to qualify you for the loan. So they basically like say each unit rents for like 1500 a month. They basically assume that you already make that and tack that onto your um, yearly salary. Mm, Okay. Okay. So it, it, it allows you to afford more house. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you ended up buying now this, uh, fourplex and your portfolio is growing. And from there, um, are you just now Airbnb and renting those out, all your units out? Um, so we had an Airbnb in one part of the duplex, a full-time renter in the other full-time renter in our single family house that we moved out of. 
And then in the fourplex, we um, actually went with government assistance um, renters. So we kind of had like a little bit of everything going on. We still do. Okay. Now, and so when, what I'm hearing is that you bought, essentially you, you owning, you owned three properties, but then like the two that you bought for investments, you were really able to get the tenants and figure out a way to make sure that it was at least paying the mortgage. So how did you decipher that those were good investments? So if someone's right now thinking that they do want to get into real estate and they want to uh, buy a unit, like what, what should determine that it's going to be a good investment when they're looking? That's a really good question. And it kind of depends on the city. But with our four unit, we knew the area was changing just based on like the direction DC was going. Um, it was really close to like metro stations. And um, when we bought it, we knew the rent was going to kind of go up in the next year or two. But we had no idea, like literally within six months of us buying it, the rents for that neighborhood doubled. Um, and so what we thought was going to be an amazing return, uh, return on investment, like skyrocketed. Um, that was nothing we could have planned. And I mean, real estate is super risky. Like you just, you never know. So you have to be willing to like take risk and then do your research. Right. So you have, you can't just like jump into any market, um, blindly. You have to really understand the rental rates, the, what things are selling for and all that. Yeah. So what I, what I suggest to most people is to check two things. If you're trying to figure out like around about what you could get for a rental unit, first check whatever like housing um, office that's in your area. Like for us, it's the DC housing office. They list their rental rates for um, section eight. And then we also check what the housing allowance is for any military bases nearby, um, because that can kind of give you a gauge on what even if you don't get a Section 8 renter or you don't get a military renter, you could kind of see what you could charge. Mm-hmm. Like the minimum almost. Like this is the minimum of what we can get for this apartment if we don't get maybe a market rent uh, renter. Right. Mm-hmm. right. No, that's a good that's a good tip. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned something. You said house hacking. So I don't want to just skip over that. What does house hacking mean? Um, house hacking is basically buying a multi-unit property, but using it, using it as your primary residence, because when you buy an investment property, I mean, basically when you buy a house at all, the lender, the bank, whoever you're getting that mortgage from, if you get a mortgage, they want you to be like the least risky person, right? They want you to have as little risk as possible. And for them, you living in it means you're not as risky, um, so house hacking is buying a multi-unit and living in one of the units so you can take advantage of a lower interest rate and a lower down payment. Right. So you, would you recommend that for most people looking to get started in um, real estate? Yes. Yes. I think it's one of the easiest ways to get started. Um, it's, it's a really good segue, but it's not for everybody because for us, like living in our four unit it was an adjustment. We lived with our tenants. So if something's wrong, they just want to talk or anything, you know, we're, we're downstairs. <laughs> yeah. um, so for me, I'm, I'm like really noise sensitive. So like living in a four unit building, you can hear everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not for everybody. But again, if you didn't hit the lottery, if you're not already a millionaire, you have to like take these big sacrifices, right? So Right. And be uncomfortable. 
At- mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was real uncomfortable there. <laughs> right. And so where? Okay. So now, so say someone has the idea that they do want to start investing, and they say, "All right, I'm going to look at it, look into an FHA loan, and I'm going to look into house hacking. I'm going to look for a multi-family unit where I can live in one. Where do they start their search to look? Well, before you start searching, you have to get pre-approved. Like, don't get out there and start looking. Most real estate agents won't even show you around until you have a pre-approval from a bank or any other lender. Um, but then, I mean, you know, all the usual suspects like Redfin, Zillow, Trulia, any home search sites you can start looking on. Right. And then um, do you recommend working like with like an agent or don't don't necessarily tie yourself to one agent? You can work with multiple Oh, definitely work with the agent. Um, I would say try to find one agent and stick with them, but just definitely make sure you find one that's right for you. Like, for instance, the house that we bought first for ourselves was a short sale. And if we didn't have an agent who was like well versed in short sales, um, it could have been a disaster Um, for our duplex and our fourplex. They both we bought them with tenants in them which is like a whole other ball game than buying an empty unit. And so you want to make or an empty property. So you want to make sure that whoever you're working with, like they know whatever you, you plan to do. Right. They know their stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's funny you mentioned short sale because my current home, the one that we live in was a short sale. And so we um, got it at less of the what the market price would have been, but it was definitely a long wait. Um, And for everyone listening, if you don't know what a short sale is, that's when you actually have to get approval from the bank. Like you're buying the house from the bank um, Mm -hmm. and you have to get their approval because the current owners are either underwater or behind on their payments. And Mm -hmm. so it's a little tricky process. But if you can find short sales um, and you have the patience because not all short sales get approved, then it it, is actually... um, one of those things I never even I never really knew short sales existed until I found this house and I'm glad I did. So it's one of those things if you can deal with an agent who understands what short sales are and can look at short sales in the market that you're looking for, it, it can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great deal. Um, it's definitely not a short process, but it's a really good deal. Um, and definitely ask, like if you find a short sale, make sure you ask um, if the price you see on the listing is an actual short sale approved price because a lot of mm. a lot of times if you see whatever price they have on Zillow or whatever site you're using, that might not be what the bank is approving to sell it for. So um right. that, and that's then, like the first question. Yeah. And then if it's not that price, like say the bank is wanting more, you might put in that offer, wait that whole time because the process takes a long time to get through all the red tape to to say, you know, to have you be denied. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, totally understand that now. Okay. So you mentioned you bought your first uh, properties in DC. I live in New York. So those are both high cost of living areas. And so for people who do live in high cost of living areas, like how can they, because what I've noticed is that a lot of people get priced out of the market. And so, you know, they grow up in a neighborhood, um, but then they realize when they're ready to buy something, they can't afford anything in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like what then can maybe someone do to get into the real estate game? Do you recommend, uh, 
are there hacks inside high cost of living areas that you can mention for looking for real estate, like short sales other than short sales, or should people really get out their comfort zone and go to other cities if they really want to invest? Well, there are a couple things. I mean, if you want to stay in your high cost of living area and if house hacking like still isn't, I mean, because usually the down payment is the biggest hurdle, right? To, to buying in these high cost of living areas. Um, if house hacking still doesn't get you to a place where you can afford that down payment, there are so many programs for first time home buyers where you can lower or completely eliminate the down payment. One of my favorite is NACA, N-A-C-A. If you go to NACA.com, um, it's, it's a really great program. There's no income restrictions. Like people have this notion that you have to be low income to get down payment assistance. It's not true. Um, so NACA is really cool. And I just found out about this new um, company called, um, oh, now I would forget the name, oh, Loftium. It's called Loftium. It's in Seattle, which is a super high cost of living area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they cover your down payment. And what you have to do is rent out one of the rooms in your house on Airbnb. And they basically... Um, take a percentage of your Airbnb sales to pay back that down payment over like a period of three years. Um, it's really cool. I think, you know what? I think I've, I, I, I feel like I saw that, um, recently also. So I'm going to link those, um, all these resources in the show notes so people can definitely look into it themselves and see for themselves. So, all right. So you mentioned that now you can look for um, home buying assistance programs and, mm-hmm. you know, things like short sales that we mentioned before. But would you also recommend like going out? So I guess there's a difference, right? So some people want to buy real estate because they just want to have their own property to live in, which is, um, you know, which is still fine. But I think I definitely think it's 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 a it's more of an emotional decision mm-hmm. than it is a financial investment decision when you're looking at it that way. But mm-hmm. then there are some people who are choosing purposely to use real estate to build wealth. And in that case, like then I would say maybe they should look outside of their current city. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know plenty of landlords who own um, in places they don't live. And actually like there's this whole movement of people who rent where they live, like they're nomads and they're moving all over, but they own rentals that they rent out to other people, but they don't own the place they live in. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I do know landlords who own where they live and they own rentals in other, um, in other cities. So it's total, totally doable. I mean, I'm in Texas now and all of our rentals are on the East coast. So Right. And I wanted to talk about that. So you recently just moved to Texas. You bought. So what did you buy? So share with everyone what what was your what your last purchase was? Um, Yes, we bought a single family house out here. We originally came looking for a um, a multi. We were going to house hack again. But the the rental market out here and I mean, excuse me, the multi unit market out here in Texas was so different. I mean, the market period was different. We really got thrown for a loop. So um, it was really, really tough. This was probably one of the hardest house hunts we have ever experienced. So yeah, we, we just moved out here like a month ago. We've been running our rentals from afar. <laughs> so what made you, so when you were looking to buy, um, in Texas, did you know that you were going to actually move to Texas at that point? Or you just wanted to buy real estate and you were willing to manage it from afar? Oh no, no. My husband got a new job and we knew we we were moving out here. So, but I don't think I would have 
probably ever picked Texas off of a list. Well, maybe. My mom lives in Texas, so now like I'm closer to her, which is really cool. She lives um, about four hours away. But um, yeah, we basically follow up my, my husband's job here. Okay. And so now you're saying you're managing. So I guess that would be one of the issues with someone who thinks, well, you know, if I buy something that's not in my city, how do I manage that? So now you're kind of dealing with that because now your rental properties are across the coast. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, and how do you recommend someone who wants to buy in another city deal with managing properties from afar? We have tenants who we never hear from. I mean, it's so easy. Like they pay their rent. We don't hear from them. No issues. Um, and then we have a property that we hear from the tenants a lot. But the thing is, the property is old and we knew when we bought it that it's old. I mean, so things break, you know, things need attention. Um, the tenants need attention. So we knew what we were getting into. And that's another important thing when you're starting out. If you're not up for like having an old property, make sure you're looking for somewhere new and you're building that into your cost. Um it's just really important to know your end goal when you start, because we knew exactly what we were getting into when we got that property. But for us, with the return that we're getting from it, it's worth it um, for now. <laughs> right. Now, do you hire someone that is local that goes to the units if there's an issue? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We have, I wouldn't say property manager because we manage, we do all the administrative managing, but um, we have like a repair person. Right. And logistically, they just, the tenants, like, how do they send you checks? Is it all electronic? Yeah, I use this really cool um, app or site called Cozy. So it's electronic that way. Okay. So now that seems pretty cool. All mm-hmm. right. So now um, we're talking about like how great real estate investing is at this point and how, I mean, we did already say that it's not for everyone. You really have to understand what you're getting into, but can you just talk about some of the traps and pitfalls for one to avoid when um, looking at getting real into real estate? Yes. And this is for, if you're looking for a house, like for yourself to live in or a rental, I think one of the things that we ran into was getting like too emotionally attached. Um, because just because you like a house or love a house and your offer gets accepted does not mean it's yours. There are like three or four different things that can happen between the time you say you want the house and the time you would sign the papers that can make the deal fall through. And so many times our deals have fallen through and we have been like devastated, like we're done. We don't want to look anymore, but always like what's come after that and what deal we've gotten after that has been so much better than what we were so distraught about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah, don't get like too emotionally attached. There will always be something better out there. Right. And kind of like that statement, like what's for you is for you. So mm-hmm. definitely you'll be disappointed at first. Maybe if something doesn't come through, but if you keep at it, you'll get what you're, what you need. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. And then we talked about some costs. So I know we are, we mentioned down payment, but what I thought was interested, interesting is that on, you know, last week's episode, when I spoke to Chrissy and Bryce, they were mentioning that, you know, when someone looks at buying real estate, um, they, they only look at, and then it says, say someone buys real estate, they buy it at a certain price and then they turn around maybe in five, six, seven years, they sell it and they have a profit. They, they make a sale 
they talked about how much cost people don't assume or don't consider that they should because maybe if they did, they would realize that their gain is not as much as they thought it was. And so can you talk about that a little bit? So, like, I know that there are, if you are looking not only in maintaining your home, so you have maintenance costs, you have taxes. When you're looking to sell it, you have sales costs to the broker and transfer mm-hmm. taxes. So can you talk a little bit about like all like different costs associated with not only buying, but owning and selling a home. So one can make like a full picture decision when looking at it. Yes. So two things, one, if you did own a property and you sold it, um, you have to pay taxes on the money you make from the sale. Right. But there are like, I won't even say loophole cause that makes it sound like it's not legal, but it's very legal. Um, where you can get exempt from those taxes if you buy another property within, I think it's like 180 days, but don't quote me on that. But there are ways to get around like paying crazy amounts of taxes if you make a lot of money from the sale of your home. Second, um, yes, with running and owning a rental property, there are always costs that could be um, you know, accrued. Like for instance, our HVAC system just went out in one of our rental units. That's $6,000 like that we have to, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but like I said, that is our oldest, really old building. We knew exactly what we were getting into when we bought it. We knew that at any minute it could blow. So we have saved for that. Whereas with our other rentals, we, we rarely have any issues like ever, ever, ever. So I think it's all about like what you get yourself into, but, um, so, yeah, those are some some costs associated. Did I miss something? Yeah, well, I'm sure you have to. So even with the like having to pay six thousand um, for a new HVAC, you I'm sure like when you get now your monthly income from those properties, you are putting money away like every month as a maintenance and just for costs to come. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's almost like you do have to budget. So even even if you're getting all this income and cash flow, you still have to be smart about the money. Like it's not necessarily all yours because there's some overhead. There are some maintenance costs that come with owning property. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. And, mm-hmm. and then even like I would recommend even if you, you know, you own your own home that you just on a monthly basis put away money for home maintenance um, upcoming costs in a sinking fund. It's just, just call sinking funds and because you don't use it necessarily every month, but it's great to have and build up. So that way when there is like you need new windows or your heater or your pipes burst, you have um, money saved up already. So I know the recommendation is usually 1% um, of the house value. That's what I've heard. But for us, we definitely put away money every month for unforeseen costs for our current home. Yeah, that's a great practice. Before we bought our first house, we, for six months, um, put away what we call like mock mortgage money. So we pretended like we were paying the mortgage. And because we had like our dual incomes, we were able to do that and still like pay our rent at the time. But um, we just estimated like, oh, we think we'll pay around this much in a mortgage. And you never know until you actually close the deal, right? But we just put that money away every month and it just got us in the habit. So then we when we were not renting anymore, that was really easy to pay that, you know, to pay that mortgage. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we had like savings already built in. And really when you are going to get a loan for a house, the lender is going to want to see that you have like a good savings cushion. So either way you have to do it. Right. So this is all amazing and great tips for anyone who is looking to get into real estate investing. And so what's like next for you? What's next for Kendra and the key resource? 
Well, for our real estate investments, actually, I was just talking to my husband and I was like, we need to set a goal. Like what (laughs) we've, we've been like, just kind of moving, moving, moving. And we need to figure out like, is it a certain number of properties? Is it a certain number in the bank? Um, so I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. Like what is our, our end game? But, um, for the key resource, you know, I just started this business in January and I'm just like learning more about my audience and trying to like offer as much value as possible. But one of the things I don't want to do is make people think that like they have to invest in real estate because there are so many other ways to build wealth. But I just want to be what we needed when we started because we started so randomly and like so wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that's it. Just trying to help people like in any way that that I can. Right. No, that's excellent. And you are definitely um, helping people because I think real estate is something, like you said, like when you started, you didn't really have much resources or guidance on what to do. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love about the Internet is that nowadays, because of all these social media platforms, we can connect with people and be inspired and learn from people who are actually doing the things that one, we never probably thought were possible and then two that Mm -hmm. we didn't know how to do ourselves but we can watch from afar and ask questions so I think um I think what you're doing is really really good and where can people find you so if someone wants to get in touch get to know you better where can they reach you um Instagram so at the key resource on Instagram you can find everything there so yeah like send me a message I definitely answer like all direct messages you can email me So yeah, I'd love to talk to you guys. All right, this was great. Thank you so much, Kendra. Thanks, Jamila. Hey guys, so how was that? I just want to thank Kendra again for coming on and sharing her journey and all this knowledge with us. And so if you want to reach out to Kendra, you can find her at thekeyresource.info and I'll have that in the show notes at Journey to Launch dot com slash episode 12. But yeah, I really thought Kendra sharing her journey and how she just had this epiphany moment with her husband after playing a board game, how she figured that she needed to do more. And she figured that real estate investing was the way to go. And I really liked how she talked about house hacking, living in a unit, getting down payment assistance and being creative about how to find and afford properties. I thought I thought that was really good. So I hope you guys took notes. And if you have any questions, as always, just shoot either Kendra uh, email or hit her up on Instagram. Or you can, as always, find me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Journey to Launch. And as always, you can join the Facebook group, journeytolaunch.com slash community. And so if you go there. It redirects you to the Facebook group and you can join and we can get to know each other a bit better. It's a growing community. It's pretty awesome, I think. (laughs) And yeah, I think it's just a really nice place where we all can connect a bit more and share more of our personal journeys. Now, on to read a review from the iTunes. So I'm going to read this one from Cruzen Posse. She or he states, wonderful podcast. Jamila starts from the basics, works you up to launching into your own financial freedom and keeps you motivated with many different topics. What a breath of fresh air to find a podcast that is to the point and easy to follow, especially for a financial newbie like me. 
Thank you so much, Cruz and Posse, for that review because, like, this is what I like hearing and what I need to hear. And believe it or not, I must admit, guys, sometimes <laughs> I really I get a little discouraged, and it's not necessarily like you know anything that's happening. It's more of just the journey of entrepreneurship, the journey of creating content, especially a podcast. It's a lot of work, and so when I get these just feedback that I'm on the right path and that you guys are responding and you're liking this. So when you send me it, if you post something on my Instagram, if you send me a DM, if you email me, when you write on my Facebook group that you are enjoying it, it really keeps me motivated, I must say, because there are some times where I just want to pack it all up. (laughs) And I know it sounds kind of crazy because I am just starting, but I'm being real with you guys. This is not easy. Um, As you all know, I'm juggling a lot. I still work full time. I have two small kids. I have a long commute. And I really don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm not. I'm very blessed. And I understand that and know that. But, you know, just sometimes it can get a bit overwhelming and all I want to do is go to sleep (laughs) when I get home. And I realize that when I get messages that you guys are liking this stuff and learning from it, instead of wanting to go to sleep, I want to get on. I want to record a podcast. I want to create content that's going to help you out. And so, yeah, so just keep giving me this feedback and even constructive feedback. I'm open to it also, you know. Um, So, yeah, just let me know. And again, if you want to find the episode show notes for what Kendra and I discussed, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 12 and to leave your review on iTunes, that would be great. Oh, and if you wanted to leave a voicemail, so if you want to hear your voice on the podcast by asking me a question or leaving me a review, just go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail. All right, guys, talk to you next week.